Hey everyone, this is La Foule. We are on hiatus until after the inauguration, so we'll be back in February with some new shows. However, we have some little treats for you from our vault. We hope you enjoy and be safe during this apocalyptic time. Talk to you soon. Are you happy? <laughs> yeah, I made it through the week, so that was a good thing. Yay. So that's a TGI Friday for you, eh? Sure. Isn't that what it's called, TGIF? That's from the before times. I don't necessarily think that anybody has TGIF anymore because every day bleeds into the next and COVID is worse than dog years. I think this will go to TGIF. Is that still a thing? Is it still there? Oh, that I don't know. I haven't been there in years. Okay, so we're here. It's in the now. What shall we discuss? Let us talk about astrology. Hey everybody, Alvin Shea here. Did you know that this is the 30th episode of the 17-Minute Podcast with LaFoul and A? Well, now you do. Get ready. I was compelled to watch this one astrologer who looked really deeply at some of the things that are happening this week. And this, by the way, is Friday, August 14. The year's 2020. Everything that this dude was talking about has to do with the week that we're presently in the middle of. He kind of went off the normal track and started talking about the upcoming DNC, which really caught my attention because since I do on occasion work in politics and I have been a Bernie girl, as I like to call myself, I sat up and took notice. Let's talk about that. I know that you listened to it, so give me some feedback. If you're a Bernie girl, does that make me a Bernie bro? I don't know. You can self-identify any way you want. Okay, so I did watch the video. <laughs> it was long. It was like an hour. And a- oh, good Lord. Yeah, no, it was like an hour and 40 minutes. It took me a while. I actually watched it a couple of times. I had to go through and kind of pick some things out. He was talking about 1856 election. Yes. And he compared that to the current election based on the cycles of the planet alignments. Which I found really, really interesting because usually an an astrologer will kind of look at what's currently going on. They might reference a past astrological season or full moon, but I've never encountered an astrologer who went all the way back to see what had happened in a specific history relating to a specific event and kind of looking for some similarities to see if they can therefore maybe refine their prediction. I'm of the opinion that the best way to foresee the future is to reflect upon the past. It is good to look back. And I think if you line up timelines of the past, like what he's doing with certain moon cycles, you see the key events of those timelines, you might find that there's a reflection of how they'll transform into the future. They'll form certain patterns that will be reflective of what already happened in the past. It's said that Mark Twain was quoted as saying, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Even though he actually really probably didn't say that, I'll say this, history does repeat itself, and it rhymes. How do you think it rhymes? It rhymes in the sense that if you look at what happened in the past, you'll be like, oh my God, that sounds just like this right now. You can say, 
rhyme, dime, change in time, taste like lime or cover it with lime. For example, in the past, it might taste like lime, but in the future, you're going to cover it with lime. So what does that mean? In the past, it was sweet, but in the future, it's going to be a dead body with decay. And how do you cover a dead body with lime? Which kind of lime are we talking about? Because I'm thinking about the little green fruit, and I'm not sure that that's what you meant by all of that. When you bite it in the past, it's little green fruit. That's lime. What do you cover a body with? The lime element. But that's what I mean when I say rhyming. The words line up, but the actions might be different. Or vice versa, the actions line up and the words might be different. It's interesting because what was taking place in 1856, this aggression that took place, and he discusses this, bleeding Kansas. Why is this important? What was it over? It was over black lives and how they matter. That's the part he was trying to hint at without actually saying it. Maybe he thought he might get the platform to say hashtag BLM. I wasn't sure that referencing BLM in the context of the history was necessarily appropriate. We may disagree on that. Bleeding Kansas or Bloody Kansas was a border war between what was then the Kansas Territory and Missouri. It was a voting issue that focused very directly on slavery. They were crossing the border to violently oppress the people who either did or didn't want slavery, depending on which way you were crossing the border. I don't know if at the time there was a consciousness about Black Lives Mattering, or if it was just that abolition and those who were against slavery just felt that everybody should be treated equally, which is different in my mind than saying Black Lives Matter. What you're talking about has to do with uh, border ruffians. Those were those that were crossing over the border and they were conducting these attacks in Kansas. They were slaughtering people that believed in the abolitionist movement. That's what they were targeting. They were targeting those who wanted to have free soil. They target blacks for sure. They definitely kill as many blacks as they could. Where did you read that? I didn't read that at all. Go look up border ruffians. These were the ones who actually went in, into Kansas and they were the ones who conducted voter fraud. Correct. They came in there by droves. According to some of the things I read, some of it was paid for by slave owners who gave the money to go there and to vote. And the purpose for them to vote was to make sure that Kansas had become a slave state. You have voter fraud. They were trying to stop the abolitionists from voting, so that'd be voter suppression. I could be wrong, but I do believe that this is one of the things that sparked the Civil War, these early outbreaks of violence and these confrontations with these border ruffians and the abolitionist movement. Yeah, Kansas ultimately was admitted to the Union as a free state January 29, 1861. It was representative of a lot of the thought and a lot of the conflict at the time. Do you want to go back to what I said earlier, which is I'm not sure that it's appropriate to insert the modern concept of Black Lives Matter into something that's 165 years old? Sure. Let's go back to that. And my thought on that is, yes, it is. Yes, it's very relevant. And I will tell you why. We have been struggling with the same problem since then. One thing that he had mentioned in the video is how they don't want us to remember our history. If you don't remember this history, it is so easy to say, oh, no, this is just an anomaly occurring. It's not. There is a direct line, a direct reflection, a direct rhyme from then till now. 
I didn't ask if it was relevant. I asked if it was appropriate to take the modern thought and the modern understanding of what it means to say and to feel and to believe that Black Lives Matter and insert it into an historical time period where I'm more likely to think that the folks that were fighting that battle were trying to even out everything in the Constitution and saying that everyone deserves, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, according to the Constitution at that time, if you're a Black, you were just a step above cattle because cattle matter, but Black lives didn't really matter. And I would also say you should talk to a guy named John Brown. I can't talk to John Brown. Sure you can. Go to the acoustic field. And, oh, I forgot. You don't believe that. He, he's dead. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just talking. I'm talking to John right now. He's like saying, you should probably get here straight, boy. <laughs> I'll go back and I'll say it again. There's a whole way of looking at what it means to say and to feel that Black Lives Matter, which I don't think was in the presence of anybody's mind back then. There hadn't been as much of a history, at least from the white person's perspective, to understand what it was to be a slave and to struggle against and with that, nor I think for a white person to struggle with their own conscience about what was right and just in the eyes of their God. I think the way that they saw the world, the way that they approached the world, doesn't have the capacity to encompass the way that we as modern citizens of the United States specifically are able to process some of that. You should have heard the good old words of John Brown and some of the other fire preachers of those days, because the abolitionist movement would disagree strongly with what you say there, because I think that's what the entire movement was about. They did struggle with it so much they realized we've got to make sure these people have the same rights as we have. Their lives do matter. You know what that means? It means maybe a black life does matter. Hmm. I'm going to fight for it. On the other hand, the ruffians were like, no, there's two different races of people. There's us and there's them. Our lives matter because we're white. But the darkies, their lives don't matter. We can kill them. We can hang them. We can do whatever we want to because their lives don't matter. There was that dichotomy. It existed then and it existed in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and now. In the minds of some, it hasn't changed. I want to thank the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement because they're very necessary. Matter of fact, they're super necessary. They're using the First Amendment, the right to protest, to bring this to light. Now, the difference from NAFAC, which stands for the No F***ing Around Coalition, or the NFAC, and they're saying, hey, we're going to give Black people arms, the Second Amendment, because they matter and they should have a right to bear arms. Two different platforms, two different movements, and I can hear how you think that it doesn't matter, but Blacks weren't allowed to have guns back then. Wait, you're twisting my words. I didn't say it doesn't matter. I don't know where that came from. I'm saying that you can equate the two together. I can show you a direct reflection or how much it rhymes of what happened then and what's happening in this time. Getting back to the video that we watched of him, he's talking about voter fraud. We have voter fraud right now, and it's coming from the Republican side. Their goal is to make sure that mail-in ballots don't happen. Why? Because it's mainly Democrats 
and independents that are going to be able to vote, and it's going to actually go against the guy up on top. That's what he thinks is happening. This is why he's trying to stop mail-in ballots, so that would be voter suppression. However, there's also another problem in the DNC right now. The DNC platform is trying to stop the Bernie movement. What do you mean by that? How do you stop a movement that's separate from the Democratic Party? It's in the Democratic Party. It's a part of the Democratic wing. Matter of fact, I would say that since Bernie Sanders has been running his last two campaigns, he has probably doubled the base of the Democratic Party, and that's a progressive base. What they're trying to do is not only ignore that, they have the advisor for Bernie, Mr. Weaver, who I'm not a fan of, going and saying to the Bernie delegates, hey, you guys shouldn't bring up certain things. Matter of fact, just don't make any noise at all. Don't talk about superdelegates and and don't talk about uh, anything. Just drop everything and just let's just go with the flow. That's not why we came here. We didn't make it all this far just to have them make us quit before the finish line so that they can take the torch to run across with it. Don't know. So that's what I mean. Right now, they're trying to get the Bernie people not to push forth the platform for the progressive part of the ticket. To me, that's a form of voter suppression. It's also a form of fraud, too. Like, they're trying to bring in superdelegates. That's arguable whether it's fraud or not, but I think it's fraud. So 1856, they had 17 rounds of voting. You need to be more clear. They had 17 rounds of voting during the convention, and that was during the Democratic convention. It was with Buchanan and Pierce, so 17 rounds, and in the end, it ended up being Buchanan. He says the stars were aligned strange, so according to him, something bizarre is going to happen. I can't foresee it. You know, It could be any number of things. I think there'll be a problem with the platform, with pushing issues forward. I think that Bernie delegates are going to stand their ground. We want Medicare for all. Medicare for all is going to happen, period. We'll be flexible on the superdelegates, but I hope they're not. We need to get rid of all the superdelegates. They're bad for business uh, and they're bad for democracy. I wish they would push cannabis reform, but I don't see that coming from Kamala and definitely not from Biden. I do think, as you said, there is a rhyme that moves forward through history. History may not repeat itself exactly, but there is a rhyme that happens. I personally wouldn't be surprised if something odd, surprising, shocking happened during this convention. I know it's easy to assume that it might have to do with Vice President Biden's health. It may very well not. There is a need for people to rise up, and it will be interesting to see how the various delegates cast their votes and whether or not they rise up in any way. I'm looking on Wikipedia for the results for the primaries in 2020. Biden came away with 2,627. Sanders was at 1,073. Warren was in third place with 63. Bloomberg came in at 59. Buttigieg at 21. It could be a toss-up between Biden and Sanders if there's any kind of complication that happens. I don't see how they could bring in any of the other runners to do that. So it'll be interesting to see what occurs and whether or not the moon sends us a rhyme. Let's just all welcome the new moon. Welcome, new moon. See you soon. That I can do. Welcome.
for all of you in the Orphan Annie Secret Circle, did everybody around you join our Patreon? I think you missed somebody. Pretty sure you did. So for now, here's a partial message. Nice effort, so keep up the good work, drink your Ovaltine, and stay tuned for further instructions. You're getting so close. Hang in there. Yours truly, A. Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 17 minutes podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with your friends and family. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. They're listed on our website and social media. Check them out.